Father in heaven, as we come before you, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you that uh, we get to come before it, um, and we get to open it up, and it's not in a different language, it's in our language, and we get to read it and hear what it has to say to us. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that as we uh, delve into your word, that you would guide us, that you would guide our thinking, you guide the meditations of our hearts. And Father, where we uh, need to be strengthened, either in faith, uh, in our hearts, in our loves, or in our lives, please build us up there. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, <clears throat> as, we, uh, as we go along, we're, we're talking about church and community. So we're talking about the church as a community. Uh, the goal is to get to the point where we can start to talk about the community uh, aspect of church. What does this mean that we are a community? And what does that look like? Uh, what are we pursuing? Um, how do we get there? You know, all these sorts of more more practical questions for us as Reformation. Uh, that's where we're hoping to go. Um, but before we get there, we need to build a foundation. Uh, we need to continue to build up what the church is, how we think of ourselves, uh, how we view ourselves as a church and as part of something bigger than just uh, Reformation, as we view ourselves as the body of Christ, uh, as the building of God, the temple of God, um, as the bride of Christ, and as the kingdom, um, the kingdom of God. So last week we talked about the kingdom of God. We talked about um, the fact that Jesus is king over all creation. Right? He is king over all creation, uh, but he rules over his particular people uh, in a particular way. So First uh, Peter 2.9, Philippians 3.20, they, they talk about how we are fellow citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That we are part of the kingdom of heaven. That's where our citizenship lies. Uh, and so this kingdom of heaven we talked about last week. Uh, Christ is the king of this kingdom. Um, and the new covenant is the constitution. So if you think about a kingdom or a, uh, a nation, they have a constitution, they have a founding document, they have something that rules what is this kingdom and what are its, what's its charter. Uh, for us, that's the new covenant. So the new covenant is the constitution of the kingdom of God. Um, and the land or the realm of this kingdom uh, is the new creation, which in this earth is you. Uh, Paul says that you are new creations in Christ. That the new creation has come. The kingdom of God has already shown up. And it is being worked out by God's spirit through the work of the gospel, bringing in the nations, bringing in all the treasures of the nations, as Habakkuk, I think it's Habakkuk or Haggai talks about. How God is shaking the world so that all the treasures, all the gems and precious stones of the world flow into his temple, uh, which means that's you. Right? Through the work of the gospel and the spirit uh, working in this world, he is shaking the nations and bringing people from uh, all sorts of different backgrounds and walks of life into his temple and uniting us, not just here, not just at Reformation and Olympia, but we are united as a broad body of Christ. We are part of the broad church, which is all the elect, all the people of God, from all ages, from all places. And so even today, right, as we come to worship today, we worship at the same time as lots of Christians all around the world. And we are united with those Christians, somehow. Like these, this is, these are things that we can't quite understand, but we are united as one body, even with Christians on the other side of the globe. Um, and so the church broadly, uh, because her members are, are new creations, the church broadly uh, and, the, and the church in this earth are the embassy. It's the embassy of the kingdom of God. Right? If you want to see where the kingdom is, you go to church. Um, you look at the church. And we talked about last week how... Um, 
uh, you get citizenship in this kingdom not by filling out an application and submitting for a green card. Uh, you are born into this kingdom. You are born into the kingdom of God. Thus, your citizenship in the kingdom of God is a, a natural-born citizenship. Uh, because Jesus says uh, to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And unless someone is born from above or born again, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. So in order to enter the kingdom of God, to have citizenship in it, you have to be born again. You are born again, you are regenerated, and thus something so crazy has happened to you as to be a, a new birth, and that's now your citizenship. You've been born into this kingdom, uh, which means that all other, all other loyalties uh, are subservient to your loyalties to God and to his kingdom. Um, Jesus says this in Matthew 19. He says, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. In other words, this is our primary loyalty, Right, to follow the kingdom of God at whatever the cost. And whatever price that you pay in this earth to follow the Lord will be returned 100-fold. It's, it's, it's worth it, Jesus is saying. Um, now, Scripture doesn't just call us citizens of this kingdom. Uh, scripture doesn't just say, well, you're citizens of this kingdom, but it, we actually have a function in the kingdom. That we're not just the populace, but we actually have a purpose, a function in the kingdom. We are specifically called a kingdom of priests. So Exodus 19.6, and this is God speaking to Israel. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 1 Peter 2.5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And a couple verses later. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In Revelation 5.10. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. So... It's important as we, so we come from the Reformation, right? That's our heritage, is, is the work of the Reformation. And Luther, in particular, emphasized this idea of the kingdom of priests and the priesthood of all believers because Rome, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, had elevated the clergy above all other people. So if you are the clergy, if you are a monk or a priest or a bishop, you were a special class, you were, you were a step above a plumber and a mechanic and a carpenter. Um, you were above them in social status and in rank and in hierarchy. Um, so that was how Roman, the Roman Catholic Church did things. They, they elevated the spiritual vocations and said these are better than the profane uh, vocations, which are what you do on Monday through Friday. Um, and so Luther, when Luther came on the scene, he started to write about this idea of the kingdom of priests and how this changes how we view all of, of God's people, all the believers. Um, he started to see and talk about how this is the, the clergy are not special, but all believers are 
priests. They are all part of this, this caste of priests and bishops. And he says, uh, Luther says along, something along the, fact, the lines of, all of you are ordained popes and bishops and priests uh, in God's kingdom. That This is something that applies to all of us, that there is... No difference anymore between you know, a clergy and a profane profession like a plumber. Um, we all share in the priesthood. So, unfortunately, what's kind of happened is that that's one side of the ditch to fall into, right? Where everybody is hierarchical. You have profane vocations, and then you have the clergy, and then you have the pope, and then you have Jesus. Um, that's one side of the ditch that Luther rejected. Unfortunately, I think American Christianity has kind of gone the opposite ditch, where now there's, because there's no distinctions um, between believers in role and office and rank, now there is nothing. There's no distinctions at all. We're just individuals, or just a bunch of marbles in a box. Um, and Scripture still tells us that there are authorities to submit to. Right? There are still pastors and elders and deacons, and that these offices are special. That there is a distinction between um, the, the, the congregant member and the, the elder. There's a difference. But the middle of the road is that the difference is not of social status, it's not of hierarchy, it's not because the pastor or the elders are better than you or they have some sort of um, special sauce that you don't have. We're all together the same. We're all believers, we're all priests in God's kingdom, a holy priesthood, but for some God sets apart for special work. It's a distinction of office or of role, but not of status, if that makes sense. So this priesthood of all believers actually unites us and pulls us together and shows us that all of us have a function in God's kingdom. Right? All of us have a function in God's kingdom. All of you have a purpose in God's kingdom. You're not just a, a citizen who shows up on Sunday. This applies to you Monday through Sunday, all the days of the week. Um, and so as we look to Scripture to tell us, okay, what, let's, let's, talk, let's look to Scripture and let's talk about what priesthood means. So if we all have a function, we're all priests, we're all kingdom of priests, uh, let's talk about what that actually means. And so when you think priests, when I say the word priests, you probably think of Levites. Uh, but which came first, the kingdom of priests or the Levitical priesthood? What did God institute first, a kingdom of priests or a Levitical priesthood? Charlie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could look at Adam maybe as a type of the priesthood. Um, in Exodus 19, God says that Israel will be a kingdom of priests to him. So this is before the, Le the Levitical priesthood is instituted. Uh, it's before all of, the, all of that was created. God says you will be a kingdom of priests. So before the Levitical priesthood happened, God said all of Israel... All of them shall be a kingdom of priests. Um, which means that if we're to look for a blueprint in Scripture, and we're going to look for a blueprint, so what does it mean to be a kingdom of priests? We want a blueprint. We want something to follow, some model. Um, it's not the Levites. Now, that doesn't mean that the Levites mean nothing. The Levites teach us a lot about priesthood, but they themselves are pointing 
they themselves are modeled after a blueprint. They are not the blueprint. So what is the blueprint then? What is our blueprint for what the priesthood means, for what a priest is? Christ is our blueprint. Amen. Because it's always about Christ. Whether you're in the Old Testament and you're pointing forward, or you're in the New Testament and you're looking back, Christ is the center of all things. He is the, the absolute blueprint for everything. He's the blueprint for creation. Um, and so when we look at Scripture and we want to know what do priests do, what does it mean to be a kingdom of priests? It doesn't mean we exclusively look at the Levite Levitical priesthood and say, we just do what, that, what, what they were doing. We look at Jesus, and we look at how all the other types of priests in Scripture point to Jesus. Um, in other words, we are not priests after the order of Levites. We are priests after the order of Jesus. That our priesthood is after the order of Jesus, just as Jesus was after the order of Melchizedek, but really, it was the other way around. Melchizedek was after the order of Jesus. Um, so we are a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood after the order of Jesus Christ. And so the Le Levitical priesthood helps inform us and teach us what priests are and what they do. But they themselves are modeled after a blueprint. They themselves are pointing to Jesus. Um, so let's, let's do some thinking about, about the priesthood. Um, how do you become a priest? Matthew. You're appointed by God. Yeah. It's not something that you choose for yourself. It's something that you are chosen for. Deuteronomy 10.8. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord and minister to him, and, bless, and to bless in his name to this day. Yeah, God set apart the Levites. He chose them for this work. Um, and so how did the Levitical priesthood, how was that office passed on? Yeah, so in the Levitical priesthood, how did that office pass on? Okay, high priest dies. Who, who takes his... The sons. Yeah, it's by natural birth. Um, is that true of Jesus? No, but why not? What tribe was Jesus? Judah. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. And Hebrews says he's of the tribe of Judah. And Moses said nothing about priests uh, in the tribe of Judah. Which means Jesus is not of the, of the order of Levites. He's a different kind of priest. Um, he says in Hebrews 7, uh, For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one, it's Jesus, was made a priest with an oath. By the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. So whenever you have an oath, or you have a promise, you're talking covenants. You're talking something covenantal is happening. This is the Lord saying, he has sworn, he's made an oath, and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever, which means that Jesus is the priest of a particular covenant. And it's not the Mosaic covenant, because the Mosaic covenant... The Levites were the priests. Uh, and Hebrews's, Hebrews's point is that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. Right? He is the mediator of a better covenant. Um, one that will not pass away. And one that will endure. One that is perfect and eternal. And one that doesn't just sanctify the body, but sanctifies the heart. Uh, which means that if we are a kingdom of priests, after the order of Jesus, 
That means that as long as the covenant endures, so too will the priesthood endure. Um, because Hebrews makes the point that whenever there is a change in priesthood, there's a change in covenant. So whenever you swap out the priests, whenever you change up the priesthood, you're changing the covenant. And so when Jesus comes into the scene, he's changing the covenant. And so as long as Jesus and his priesthood endure, the covenant will endure. Which means that and when we are brought into the kingdom of priests, um, and we are part of this priesthood, that we will endure as long as Jesus endures. And this is an oath-bound truth. This is a covenantal oath-bound truth. Uh, this is not something that will pass away. So as you look at Scripture and you look at examples of priests, including the Levites, or maybe you can think of other examples, um, what does it mean to be a priest? What do priests do? Matthew? Okay, yeah, they, they act on behalf of man to God, offering sacrifices, gifts. Yeah, that's definitely a, a, a central part of what they do. Any other thoughts about what, what do priests do? They intercede. Okay, they intercede. How so? Well, as a stand-in for others. Yeah. Where do they stand? Yeah. They're in Christ, but physically, or, or, or I guess metaphorically, where are they standing on behalf of the people? Where do they go? They go to God. Yeah, they go before God, and they stand in God's throne room, and they stand before the Lord, and they mediate on behalf of the people. Which, um, for the Levites, was terrifying. If you think about... All the, all the things that the Levites had to do in order to get ready to go and do their job. They had to be cleansed. They had to be washed. They had to offer sacrifices for themselves, for their own sins, before they could even go into the presence of God and start interceding for the people's sins. And it was incredibly dangerous. Um, one, of the, one of the purposes of the priesthood was to protect God's holiness. So when Israel was in the wilderness and they were wandering, they built the tabernacle, and God specifically told each tribe where to camp. He said, you're going to camp here, you're going to camp there. And guess where the Levites were camped? In the middle. In a ring around the tabernacle. They were a physical barrier between the tabernacle, which was God's holiness and presence, and all the tribes, which means they are, they are a wall, they are a protection. And they protect God's sanctuary from being defiled by all the people and their uncleanness. And they protect the people from God's holiness breaking out and consuming everything. So priests, they, they sacrifice, they offer sacrifices, they mediate, they stand before God on behalf of, the, of others. Uh, they protect God's holiness and God's name. Um, any other thoughts about what priests do? Okay, they lead in worship. What, um, what characteristics of God do the priests represent?
Or maybe I should ask, so what characteristics of God do, do kings, the kings of Israel, what did they represent? What, else, what characteristics of God did kings represent? Matthew? Uh, the king was to govern and defend. Yeah, govern or defend. He represented God's authority, God's dominion, God's protection, God's strength. What about prophets? What aspects of God did prophets represent? Go ahead, Matthew. Yeah, the will of God, God's truth, God's word. So now what about priests? Yeah, righteousness and holiness. Of course, the deacon should know that by heart. Um, but yeah, priests carry God's righteousness, his holiness. They represent those things. Um, and really what, they, what that points to is, is God's heart. What does God love? Righteousness and holiness. What does God despise? Sin. Right? What, is, what does the Lord desire? What are the things that God wants for his people? Um, well, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That the priests and the priesthood represented God's heart to his people. They were, they were ministers of God's heart. They were ministers, therefore, of God's grace, God's mercy, God's patience, God's kindness. Um, they, were the, they were the arms and hands of God's heart to his people. Which means that um, the priesthood right, was integrally tied to God's character and the things that he loves uh, and how he loves and blesses his people. So, a lot of these things, right, priests sacrifice, priests mediate, priests protect God's holiness. Um, they, they stand before God on behalf of others. They, they carry God's heart to his people and to others. They showcase God's care and love and the things that God loves to his people. Um, so, which, one of these, which of these functions uh, apply to us as a kingdom of priests? Do any of these functions apply to us as a kingdom of priests? Sacrifice, mediate, protect God's holiness, stand before God. I hope so. Yeah, hope so too. Otherwise, all of this is wrong. No, when you think of your family or lost loved ones, you definitely want to stand in that priestly function. Yeah. Because Are you talking about standing before God and praying on behalf of others? Yeah. And bringing them the word like a prophet would do. Okay, yeah, bringing the word like a prophet. So, what else? Do any of these functions apply to us as, as a kingdom of priests? I think all of them. All of the above. <laughs> all of the above, Michelle says. Um, yeah, I, I think so too. But there's clearly a few things that are different, right? In the, in the Old Testament administration of the covenant of grace, priests offered bloody sacrifices. They were, they were killing goats and, and cows and doves and stuff. Um, they were entering the physical holy of holies, the high priest at least was. Um, they were a physical barrier between Israel and God. Um, they were ministering to the people's um, earthly needs, yeah, a lot of these 
we can draw conclusions from about how we are to be priests. But remember, it's all, it's all points to Jesus. So if all these apply to us, do we then just go and do what the Levites did? Do we just do exactly as the Levites did in the Old Testament? No. And why? What's the one offering he, he was his sacrifice was once for all. So we don't do that part. That's done. Yeah, we are not making sacrifices of blood anymore. But we do have sac give sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. That's right. Yeah. Sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, so when Jesus came and fulfilled the priesthood and really was lived out what the priesthood has always been and always supposed to be, as all priests point forward to Jesus, um, all these functions of a priest, this is what Jesus fulfilled and did in his life and his death and his resurrection. Right? When he died on the cross, he was offering a sacrifice. He was offering the sacrifice um, that doesn't just wash the outside. Because the blood of bulls and goats cannot atone for sin, but the blood of the perfect Son of God can. And so he offered himself as a sacrifice to the Lord um, to atone for our sins. And then he, st he stands before God, mediating for us. Right? He stands before God, representing us and mediating to God for his people day and night. Um, he is also the one who protects God's holiness and God's name by being perfect, by being holy and perfect himself. That if anyone wants to go to God, they have to go through the priesthood. Right? If you want to go to God, you have to go through the priests. Same was with, it was, that was the picture that, that the Old Testament was pointing to. That with the Levites are in the middle, if you want to get to God in the center, you have to go through the priesthood. Same thing today. Jesus said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. If you want to go see the Father, you go through me. You go through Jesus. Um, he is the one who, who entered the Holy of Holies, as Hebrews talks about, who stepped behind the veil. He's our anchor. He's our sure hope because he has gone into the, into the Holy of Holies and faced the Lord and endured God's wrath and yet walked out alive. He died and was resurrected. Um, and then throughout his life and earthly ministry and today through the ministry of his spirit, he is carrying out God's heart to his people. Right? God is now, today, blessing us with, with all the blessings that we have. Right? Every good and perfect gift comes down from God, which means that all the blessings and gifts that you have in your life, all your possessions, your house, your kids, your family, your church, your relationships, all the, all the things that you have, whether it's stuff in your fridge, stuff in your bank account, stuff in your heart, that's all from God. That is all from the Lord. And it is all because God loves you. Because Jesus is showing you the love of God. Um, and so as people in the order of Jesus, as priests after this order, we carry out these things, these functions that Jesus carried out. But clearly, Jesus is the high priest, so we don't do exactly as Jesus did, but we follow his pattern. Right? So how do we, um, if, if, if a priest, one of the essential functions of a priest is to show the love of God to others, how do we do that? If you're a kingdom of priests, and priests are called to show the love of God, to carry out God's heart, to be the arms and hands of God's heart to others, how do you do that?
Okay, forgiveness. Absolutely. Yeah. How does forgiveness point to Christ and his priesthood? Yeah. Yeah. We, we point each other to Christ, the sacrifice for sins, by forgiving each other. Um, when, we, when we don't forgive one another, when we hold sins against each other, and we, and we keep tallies, and I do this all the time, um, what we're really saying is that Jesus was not enough for you. You have to satisfy me first. Um, but we are a kingdom of priests. We are called to show that love of Christ to each other, to point each other not to ourselves, but to point to Christ, to his sacrifice, to his work on the cross. So yeah, forgiveness is absolutely one of the ways that we show the love of Christ to each other. We show the love of God, God's heart. What else? How else do we show the love of God to, to each other and, and really to the whole world too? Yeah. Matthew 5, Jesus makes two, two images of, of his people. And uh, my, my dad has referred to Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, as the Sermon of Kingdom Ethics, where Jesus is laying out, here's what the kingdom, what, what life in my kingdom should look like. You as citizens in the kingdom of God, here's how you're to live. You are salt of the earth and you are light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, in other words, as, as the kingdom of God, as priests in God's kingdom, we are called to be a light, not just to each other, um, but to the whole world. Right? We are to show the love of God to the whole world, to be a light, to be salt. Um, and our lives have to reflect that. Charlie? Yeah, absolutely. How we treat each other um, is a crucial component of how we show God's love to the world because they shall know us by our fruit. Uh, in other words, if the church is, is full of bitterness and fighting and quarreling and division and, and we are at each other's throats, we're communicating something to the world. Uh, now, at the same time, when the church is full of, of people, it's going to be full of sinners. And so you can't get away from the fact that we're going to all sin. But how we then deal with that sin says a lot to the world. Right? When we do church discipline, that communicates something to the world. When we forgive one another, when we confess our sins to one another, when we confess, I am a hypocrite, right? which is what the world always likes to say at Christians. Well, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, yeah, 
Of course, we're hypocrites because we say we, we love the Lord, and yet you look at our lives and we do sin. Of course, I'm a hypocrite. And Jesus forgave me for that. Praise God. I confess it, and I, and I go to God, and I ask Him for forgiveness. That's how we deal with all sin. And that's why the, the world doesn't know what to do, what to do with Christians. Uh, so, there's a couple of other, other things in how we as priests, um, how we show the Lord's love uh, to the world and to each other. Um, Jeremiah 29 says this. Uh, Jeremiah is speaking to um, the, the tribe of Judah. They're about to go into exile, uh, or they're already in exile, I forget. But he says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. In other words, as, as people in this world... We have a kingdom, right? We are citizens of the kingdom of God. That is our first loyalty. But we are in Olympia. You know, we live in Olympia. Seek its welfare. Pray for Olympia. That is a priestly work. That is part of being a kingdom of priests, is we seek the good of the city where God has put us. Um, that means that we pray, at the very minimum, we pray for our city, we pray for its people, we pray for the work of the gospel, we pray for the churches in Olympia, we pray for each other as we live and work in the city, and we pray and we seek to live uh, showing God's grace, showing that we are new creations and how we live, how we work, how we interact with our coworkers, how we interact with the grocery store clerk. All these things are part of how we as, as a priesthood are showing we're the light of the world, we're the light to the city. Um, verse Jeremiah 29.7 Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. He's speaking about Babylon. Okay, let's... let's I'm going to say a couple other things because we're already getting close to time. Um, I'll say two more things. So the first is that the king, part of the essential part of being priesthoods, being a priest, is sacrifice. Right? Jesus was the ultimate example of that, where he offered himself. Um, and so it's easy to think, well, sacrifices are done. You know, that doesn't really apply to us as priests, as a kingdom of priests anymore. Um, but First Peter says this, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You might ask, well, what does that mean, a spiritual sacrifice? What is that? Romans 12.1 I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and, sec and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then Hebrews 13 through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So we actually do fulfill the priestly function of offering sacrifices, uh, but because Jesus is the one who offered the atoning sacrifice, all, all that we do points to him. Right, notice how these verses talk about um, how you are to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Through Him, let us offer up a sacrifice of praise. 
Right? It is through Christ that we offer these things. Meaning, we're not expecting that this is, you know, God is going to accept this because of my worth and my value. God is not going to accept what I give or what I do and the sacrifice that I offer because I am so great. He's going to accept them because we offer them through Jesus, through our, our Savior, our mediator. Um, and so as, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I, if, if I do good and I offer up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. In other words, if you're doing it for yourself, if you're doing it to look good, if you're not through doing it through Jesus, in other words, then it will not actually be of any blessing or benefit to anybody. Um, and so as priests, we, we self-sacrificially seek the good of others. We don't neglect to do good. We share what we have. These sacrifices are pleasing to God. And when we are generous, when we are kind, uh, when we praise God and sing to him, when we bring our bodies to the Lord and present them to Him on Sunday and on Monday and throughout the whole week, and we say, God, this body is from You, and thus I will use it for You, that is pleasing to God. And when we do it through Jesus, it is acceptable and holy and beautiful. So this is part of the heart of, of being priests. And another part of it, so that's part of how sacrifices apply to us, um, Another part of how we as a kingdom of priests are to uh, fulfill the role of priests <coughs> sorry, um, is by prayer. So if you've ever tried to do consistent prayer and praying for others, um, you'll know that it's hard work. So Colossians 4.12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Prayer is, is often uh, a labor. It's hard. It can be hard work. It can be a struggle. Um, and if it were super easy, right, it, it would not be um, everyone would do it all the time. But First Timothy 2 says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, and we may, to, may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Uh, in other words, prayer is not just for pastors to do on Sunday morning. Prayer is for you to do throughout your whole week, and not just for you, not just for your family, but for all people. And that this is a labor that God has called you to do um, as part of being a kingdom of priests. To pray uh, for others. To be intercessors. To stand in God's presence in his throne room and pray and talk to him and ask him to bless not just you, but all of your family, all of your church family, and all the people uh, that are around you and really all the, all the people. This is part of our work as a kingdom of priests. It's to offer prayer, um, to pray for others. So, I cut it a little bit short. There's, there's lots more that we could say. Uh, but are there any questions or clarifications? Um, anything that was confusing or unclear? Matthew? This isn't related to the priest um, part, but you reminded me
you know, throughout the city, there were people all over the place who were reading the same information at the same time. And if they were out in public later, they all had that information. They could talk to each other about it, and they were linked in that way, even though they didn't necessarily know each other. Thinking about that in context of the church, you know, with all of us meeting, as you said, you know, on Sunday morning, studying the same information. But obviously, it's, it's much more than that, because we're all united uh, through Christ as brothers and sisters. But that concept is interesting, just thinking that we're here and there are people all throughout the world, not necessarily at the exact same time, but all doing the exact same thing on the Lord's Day. Reading the same word, reading the same Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we are created. We are created by the Word. Charlie. Uh, just uh, quickly, um, Christ being the ultimate priest gave Himself as a sacrifice for us, and that is um, that likeness is given to us in Romans 12, 1, 2. I appeal to you that your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and, and perfect. And so we are little priests mirroring the great priest, and in that way we become the righteousness of God in the world as we, in our conduct by faith, are offering our bodies up. The, the priests didn't have their own thing. They were singled out. They had no land. All their food was given to them as a gift. And they were solely concerned with the will of God. And, and I think that there's, you know, there's lots to reflect on there for ourselves in the world that we live in today, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um... Let's, let's pray, and we'll get ready to worship. Uh, if you have any questions, you can always talk to me after, or you want to talk more about these things, I'm always available. Um, but right now, let's pray and get ready to, uh, to go to worship. God in heaven, we thank you for uh, how you have called us out of the nations. You have made us your treasures and called us your beloved possessions. Lord, thank you that you have uh, chosen us and set us aside to be uh, priests in your kingdom. You've given us uh, a role and a place, not just uh, to exist, but that you have called us to be a part of uh, what you're doing, to be a part of your kingdom in a, in a real way. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who offered his, himself uh, for us to forgive us of our sins, who rose again so that we can live forever. Lord, thank you for that uh, as we come to worship you this morning, we come not to uh, any ordinary place, but we come to Mount Zion and to your holy sanctuary to hear your word. And so, Lord, please transform us by the renewal of our minds for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.